welcome to the Fully Free Podcast with your host, Taylor Lee. The podcast to get raw and real about running an online business, living life as an entrepreneur, and figuring it all out as you go. After creating seven figures in my first three years as a coach, doing what I love every single day, I truly believe that you deserve the money, joy, and life of your dreams. I hope to inspire you with weekly episodes on money, marketing, life, and all things online business. All right, let's dive in to this week's episode. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to the Fully Free Podcast. I am here with a part two of our Q&A. So I hope you're loving these because I have another for you. Um, I love doing the last one and I have 30 minutes until my next call. Just got done having a delicious lunch. So energized and ready to answer a bunch of questions. That, by the way, I asked people to ask me on Instagram. So if you want to be involved in future Q&As, whether they're on the podcast or just on my Instagram story, which I do as well sometimes, make sure you're following me on Instagram and make sure that you're watching my stories. So my Instagram handle, so you can find it is at underscore the Taylor Lee. Okay. First question, how do you decide the content included in your offers? So this is how I do it. And I think this is a great way to do it because what I do is I review, I reverse engineer. So first a program idea will come to me based on something that I have really integrated, right? So if I'm doing, um, you know, when I crossed six figures and then I started having clients cross six figures, I was like, okay, I should create a course about the foundations of a six figure business. I did. When I filled my 10K one-on-one coaching program multiple times and then continued to fill it when it was 20K and I was doing it differently than other people were, I thought I should start a course on this. Transparent sales was born, so on and so forth. So usually the topic will come through based on something that has been going really well for me for a while, which I think is so important. Like one mistake that I have made is launching courses a little too soon. So when I did, not that you, not that you're out of integrity doing this. I actually don't believe that at all. I think if you've done it once, you can teach it to other people, um, and you can repeat it, but if your confidence isn't really there. So for example, the first time I had a six figure course launch the next month, I launched a course about creating six figure course launches. My confidence was shaky. I was so scared that that launch would not be a six-figure launch and I would publicly fail that not only was that launch not a six-figure launch, it was nowhere freaking close. It was like a 10th of the size of my six-figure launch the month before. And it was embarrassing. That doesn't really matter. That was all in my head, but yeah, make sure you don't launch too soon. Launch things that are really integrated for you if you want them to be huge launches. But anyway, so I do that. And then I think about, okay, so let's say, let's say I am going to do the, the six-figure course launch program. Let's just, because we're talking about that. So what I do is I think, okay, who is this for? Well, I think this is perfect for someone who's been launching, who probably has had like five-figure course launches, um, you know, who knows the basics of launching, but has is stuck, hasn't been able to scale. And obviously where they're going, which I always ask myself is, 
have all the tools they need to have a six-figure course launch. Cool. So fill in the gap. So from there, I just jot down bullet point style. What are the things they need to know? Broad. Well, they need the mindset. Okay. And they need the audience and they need the launch plan and they need the sales strategy and they need, oh, I forgot this. They need the offer. They need a really great offer. And there's certain things they need to keep in mind for that. Okay. Well, that creates my six or so modules. No, right. There's no right amount of modules. I pretty much every course I've sold has been five or six or seven, um, more so like five or six, but that's just coincidence. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to fit it in there. Although I think it's a great amount of time. So then I do that. And then I go actually, to be really honest, I usually open up my sales page, start creating it. And when I get to the module section for each topic I've decided on, I create about three or four bullet points underneath of like, okay, what, what do they need to know about mindset to create a six figure launch? Well, they need to believe that they're capable of it. They need to believe that there's enough people in their audience for it. They need to believe that people want what they have to offer. And so I make these really great bullet points, how to shift feeling like nobody wants what you have to offer, how to feel really confident that you have the right amount of people and the right things in place to have a six-figure launch, bullet points like that. And then when I actually go create the modules, I... um open up my sales page literally. And I create the modules from that. That's how I decide the curriculum and how I decide what to put in it. Um, honestly, it's just up to you. Like, what do you like in a course? So normally for me, I just need the video training. Um, but for example, with transparent sales and with my up level, your launch program, there are worksheets and templates and scripts and things like that. And examples and, um, as I create my videos and my slides, if I choose to have slides, half my programs do, half my programs don't. Um, I just feel it. It's like, okay, they're going to do so much better if they have these email examples, like in writing in a document, they're going to do so much better if they have this written out in front of them to go through, then I'll create it. If not, I don't. So that's how I decide what I include. Um, what would you say to a startup entrepreneur currently in debt? Stop getting obsessed with how much debt you have and what that means. And, you know, the best thing that you can do if you have debt as a startup entrepreneur, and I, I did, so I get it. I had my student loan debt. And then I also had pretty much 10K in coaching debt my entire year of coaching, as well as investing a lot of the cash coming in in coaching as well. Um, not that's what, not that that is what you should or shouldn't do. I feel like you should just do what your soul tells you to do. And that's what mine told me to do. And I did not get wrapped up in how much debt I had. I reminded myself, I made those decisions. I did not regret those decisions. And if you're like, but what if you regret them? Stop regretting them. Realize that the lessons you learned from those investments in that debt, because um, the debt you have might not even be a, a, a smart move. It might have been something that was disempowered. It might have been on stuff that didn't matter or, you know, physical items like who knows, right? But um, the best thing I did was remind myself I made those decisions. I do not regret those decisions. And when I make seven figures in my business, I will laugh at ever even thinking about being worried about 10K on a credit card. And truly, it is true. So 
the worst thing you can do is make, hold shame around it, feel bad about it, make it mean something about you. Like most people have debt. It's no big deal. It means nothing about you in the slightest. And all that shame, regret, fear is holding you back from receiving abundance. Your debt, whether it was a smart move or not, was you receiving abundance. So now you feeling so bad about receiving that abundance, you're not going to receive more. So that's what I would say. Do you have any fear of success? If so, how do you overcome it? Yes. Oh my gosh. Being, um, I have stuff come up all the time around this of like triggering people, making people feel small, making people feel bad about themselves, being misunderstood. Um, my heart not being felt, um, things like that, um, losing relatability. I think once you get that like taste of success isn't even like the right way to say it, but like once you are actually successful and just continuing to grow, which is inevitable, that stuff comes up. And there's so many other versions of fear of success that you may have. Um, I overcome it and how I've overcome all of my fears is... I mean, and sometimes there's more to this and sometimes there's more healing work, but honestly deciding like it's worth it to me to possibly trigger people if I reach my full potential. It's worth it to me to lose some relatability if I reach my full potential. It's worth it to me to be misunderstood by people if it means that I'm living my best life and reaching my full potential and my happiest self and in my purpose and fulfilling my mission. Like it's worth it to me instead of it feels like we're here to love and to be loved. And so, especially when it involves family or especially your parents, by the way, it feels like the worst thing in the world, but, um, it's not, it's probably not even going to happen. And even if it does, like, I also ask myself this, like, does that person actually want me to be happy and to live my best life? If the answer is yes, then if they get triggered or if they don't get it, that's okay because I know that they still want that for me. If the answer is no, they are the last person I need to be worrying about. Um, let's see. How did you choose your baby girl's name? My husband picked it. Well, her first name, um, my husband picked and her middle name is my grandmother on my dad's side's name. So Ruby, my husband picked and I E is because he's Frankie with an I E my sister's Gracie with an I E we have lots of I E's in both of our families. So it just was cute. It made a lot of sense, even though it's not typical spelling and that did get in my head for a minute. I love it. And Diane, Ruby, Diane, I just think it's so gorgeous. It's so precious. And yeah, that was my grandma's name. So what else do we have here? How did you launch your podcast, music, editing, etc.? How do you choose topics? Well, I choose topics on what I talk to clients about, what you guys ask for, what I feel called to talk about. Um, I launched my podcast. So there's a lot of sites where you can get um, royalty-free music. So Google that. I mean, you probably pay for music too, but I look at royalty-free music sites, pick my music off of there. I have a microphone off of Amazon. It's the... Um, blue Yeti mic. And honestly, I recorded on zoom. So I have zoom open. My camera's off. My audio's on. It's recording to my computer. Then I upload it in Dropbox. And honestly, my podcast editor edits it. 
shout out to the podcast editor. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think the most important thing with the podcast was like getting help. So someone designed my graphic for me. Um, and like my podcast editor, I still use today has edited like the intro, the outro. We're going to do a new intro and outro soon. He edits all the episodes that would take so much time. Like it's my podcast has been so worth it, but it's also so worth getting help with it. Um, okay. What's your favorite way to get out of biz discouragement? My favorite way to get out of biz discouragement is to honestly invest in something that my soul feels pulled to that will excite me again. That will give me some direction again. Like I'm a learner. Anytime I feel a little stuck or stagnant, making an investment is it for me. Um, but the other things are reminding myself how incredible I am, reminding myself how far I've come. Like if you're feeling super discouraged, go sit down and write every single win you've had in the last year. That has helped me time and time again. Um, also looking at other women as proof that it's possible for me and unfollowing anyone who makes me feel otherwise. And um, honestly, the one, one really huge thing for me was always focusing on my next level life and getting really determined around that. Like what are changes in your life you want to make that are going to require more money and let yourself want them so bad. Now you don't lose gratitude for what you do have, but it's okay to want something so bad that you are willing to make it happen. And that gets me excited and motivated again. One belief in the coaching industry that really grinds your gears and you disagree with. I mean, if you guys don't already know, I highly, highly disagree with the way that sales is done. I just highly disagree with the way that sales is done. I disagree with the way most people teach sales. I, I disagree with the way sales is taught in our industry. I disagree with the way sales is taught in the world. I think we should let grown adults make grown adult decisions. I think we should be, especially in the coaching world, which we're taught the exact opposite. Like you need to help someone get over their fear and over their objections and show them how they're holding themselves back. And it's like, what if we just called in clients who knew they were holding themselves back, who valued coaching, who valued mentorship, because there's a lot of people in this industry, not getting results, who have investment regrets, who actually lose their love for this industry because of this icky pushiness and sales. I'm just not here for it. I'm not here for it. And I think that's a misunderstanding when I teach sales the way I do is people tend to like, they want to know like, well, how do I know I'm good enough to not do sales calls? How do I know I'm good enough to not have to, to get people, get people over their objections? How do I know? Like I'm ready for that. And it's like, it's not about that. It's not this, like, I'm, I'm, you know, so much farther along and I'm too, it's not an, I'm too good for that way of sales. It's honestly, and I know some people love that way of sales. I just, I don't like morally agree with it, to be honest. <laughs> and like some people do sales calls and follow up and things like that in a very empowered way. So it's not to say everyone who does sales calls or tracks their leads or follows up, um, which are things I don't do are bad and are doing it in a morally wrong way. But we would all be lying to say that there aren't some pushy salespeople in this industry who are really just in it for the money and, it's icky and it just, it sucks. And so number one, 
join transparent sales <laughs> and learn a new way of sales. Number two, if you feel called number two, um, if someone's trying to sell you that way and it feels bad, don't do it. And like, I've had people ask me like, well, this person, you know, this person's in my inbox and they, they, they kind of like told me they could tell I wasn't doing well, or I need more help in my business or whatever. And like, now I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling unsure if I'm on the right track, whatever. And it's like, ask yourself why that person isn't so busy with their full client roster and all their money coming in that they even have the time to number one message you like these are people cold messaging or number two, pay so much attention to you that, that they're going to call you out on things and use it, use it as a way to sell you into their program. Like I don't have that amount of time. So they must, no offense. They must be pretty freaking desperate. So I would not, I personally wouldn't hire a business coach and I have so, but never again, would I hire a business coach who, who sells like that? Because it's like, you're obviously not doing that well if you are still having to sell like that, to be honest. Um, and also caveat, no one actually needs to sell that way. It's just mindset. It's just the way we're taught. And if you sell like that right now, or if you've sold like that in the past, but it just doesn't feel right to you, there's other ways. And you truly can just change it. It's actually very easy. Okay. Um, what's the best way to sell online courses or coaching? I'm really struggling with it. Honestly, that's a really big question. The truth is, is there's no best way. And we'd have to go a lot deeper into what you are struggling with. It means, um, but there's really only three things you need to do in your online business to sell. And that is grow an audience So pick one or two ways to grow your audience, nurture an audience. So one or two ways you're going to show up most days and nurture, give some value, teach, share your one way to nurture. Like I think when we hear nurture, we think give free value all the time, give tips upon tips upon tips. But actually the way I think most of us need to be nurtured is connection, human connection, seeing, seeing commonalities with other people that show you that you can do it too. So, um, stories and being vulnerable, um, is actually just going to be so important and, um, and then sell. And so for me, I don't think there's a best way, but I love using Instagram. I love podcasting. And I also love these things that I call content events, which is where I do like three-day challenges or live stream groups or whatever you want to call them. And I love those because I grow my audience with them by promoting it online, running some ads. I nurture people in there because it's three days of just like amazingness with me. And then I sell, I have an offer that lasts for a few days after the final day of that. And I love it. It's a three in one Instagram, grow your audience. Well, share shareable content. That's how I grow my audience on Instagram, collaborate with people. So by having people on my podcast, they tag me, they share the episode that grows my audience, tagging my friends, tagging my mentor, my mentor, tagging me, all anything like that. And then nurturing, go look at my posts. I nurture all the time. And then selling, I sell every day pretty much on my stories. Um, so that's the best way. <laughs> there is no best way, but you got to see business as more simple. We're so busy searching for who's doing it right, who's doing it best, who do we need to learn from, what are we missing? When honestly, the truth is, is running an online business is so simple. 
that is all it requires. And then of course, for you to be a match. So if you keep saying like something's wrong, something's missing, it should be working. Um, honestly, and I've, this is just, I've had it. This has been my issue so many times, even for like in the beginning, but then also going to the next level and the next level was assuming that there was a problem when there wasn't the best thing you could do is affirm like it's working. I'm seeing signs. I'm seeing progress. Look for proof it's working because your energy and mindset is, it won't work without that as well. Um, so what's your advice to someone very new in the industry? Uh, um, honestly, my advice would be like, this is what I did in the very beginning. My advice would be to do what I did. Listen to leveraging the universe on audiobook. Um, read get rich, lucky bitch and hire a coach or do a program that you feel really pulled to. And that the coach feels very leaned back. She's not pushing you. She's not selling you or he doesn't matter. Um, and that will give you some strategy and support you, but also like is not saying like, this is the way to run your business. I will tell you every step by step more so like, this is how I run my business. This is what I found to bring the most ease, but also promotes like energy and mindset. I mean, honestly, you got to get started by getting support and you got to, I would not be where I am today. And I would not have had the success I had early on if I didn't start to understand law of attraction and leveraging the universe. And that was a game changer for me. Um, lead generation for high ticket. I don't do lead generation for high ticket. My high ticket sales are already in my audience. I just grow my audience every day through podcasting with people, getting interviewed, interviewing, tagging people, not in a spammy way, but like people on the podcast and vice versa, um, creating shareable content that people want to share, like the podcast, like my posts. Um, and running ads has honestly been a huge lead generator for me. And when I run ads, I run them to a content event, like a video challenge series, webinar, workshop type of thing for free. And then I sell a course and I've done that every month. You know, the exception is this year I've taken a break from it, but I did that for five years, 10 plus months a year, game changer. That was my consistency. Um, and then I would sell the course, but people in the course would upgrade or people who didn't want a course would go straight into one-on-one and that would get me my high ticket, to be honest. Um, what are your go-to things to do when you need help holding the vibe? Talk to my coach, talk to my mastermind community, um, going on a walk, working out. I have to shift the energy. So like, I'm not a good runner, but I will just like go run (laughs) until I like barely can breathe. And then I'm like, okay, the energy's gone. Take really good care of yourself. Go get pampered, go get a massage, take a great shower, um, journal, listen to Abraham Hicks. Like, I love that stuff. That helps me get into a good vibe. Let's see. Um, how much are your masterminds? How often do you open them and payment options? My mastermind is the inner circle and you'll be able to find that on the taylorlee.com and it will have all the info, but I have my mastermind always open as long as there's spots. I take 10 to 12 women max. Um, cause I like to make sure that there's, I can answer everyone's boxers every single day, Monday through Friday, and that everyone has space to go on our calls. 
How do you handle any guilt that arises with excess wealth when loads of people are suffering? So literally, um, this question can be very, very hard, but the way that, um, I recently heard it was, would the world be a better place if everybody was broke and struggling or if everybody was rich and abundant? And I think it would be a better place if we were all rich and abundant, right? And so me allowing myself to step into being rich and abundant is moving us toward that, you know? And then, and you know, another thing too is like feeling good about what you do with your money, um, which is giving back in ways that feel good. I give back in ways that feel good to me. Hiring people, I hire people and I feel really good about it. And I own the fact that not in a gross, like (laughs) hierarchy way, but like when I send people money, I just feel so grateful to be a part of, I imagine like when I send someone a payment, they're like, ah, celebrate. They're closer to their income goal for the month. They're so grateful for the abundance. Like I feel that when I send payments, I feel that when I leave big tips, which is like my favorite way to give back. Um, and when I do donate in other ways and, just like feeling good about where you put your money, feeling good where you spend your money, like doing more research into the clothes you buy, into the things you buy for your home and um, becoming more generous with your family in ways that feel good. And also knowing like you don't, you also don't need to do any of that to not deserve to be guilty. And that you simply being someone who decides that that's possible for all. So why would you not? Helps the collective as a whole. Um, let's see what else. Last question, because I'm running out of time. How did you begin to embrace simplicity and ease in your business? I crave more simplicity in my business. Um, I'll give one tip on this. This is from the book. Well, a lot of people talk about the 80, 20 rule. And specifically when I was pregnant and read the book, do less by Kate Northrup, she said to write down some of your biggest wins recently and pinpoint what strategically that you did help create that. So I wrote out my clients, um, and just thought back to where do I remember them finding me? Where did they mention they found me? Where did they come from? And that's when I realized that a lot of my marketing efforts were not leading to clients and, or they were, but just very here or there. And that like Instagram was a huge, like, it was funny. I wasn't putting as much effort into Instagram. I was putting so much effort into Facebook and my email list and all this stuff. And I decided like, everyone's coming from Instagram. I need to put all the effort into Instagram. Everything else is just optional and extra that created a lot of simplicity. The other thing that creates ease, ease is not everything goes with, everything happens with ease, no struggle, no hardship, no up and down. That is so unrealistic. And that is a misconception in this industry of people who say ease and flow, ease and flow. Ease is unlocked when you allow ease. Ease is unlocked when you stop looking for problems. Ease is unlocked when you choose to not stress, when you choose to not worry, when you choose to trust. Ease isn't something we want to learn how to unlock ease and now everything's going to be easy. Hmm. I don't find that that's the case. I feel my life feels so much lighter and so much easier when I trust, when I choose to not stress, when I work on myself, when I choose to do things I love over following rules that aren't true, like how much I have to work or what I have to do. And that's unlocked ease for me. Okay, you guys, I hope you loved this and enjoyed this. Such good questions. 
I have more. Should we do a part three? I have a couple more pages of questions. Um, let me know, send me an Instagram DM and let me know, do you love the Q and A's or do you prefer, um, obviously we're not going to go mostly Q and A style on this podcast, but like, do you like a Q and A every month or do you prefer no Q and A's at all? Will you let me know? That would be so helpful. Send me a DM on Instagram at underscore the Taylor Lee and just let me know. I love the Q and A's. Um, or I love the podcast Taylor and the Q and A's are not my favorite, but thank you anyway. <laughs> Maybe only send the message if you love the Q and A's. I'd rather not get bad feedback. <laughs> okay, you guys. Anyway, love you and see you in the next episode. Bye guys. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. But before you go, if this helped you find clarity, feel motivated, or learn something new, can you do me a quick favor and go leave a five-star review on this podcast? It would mean the absolute world to me as this podcast is still really new and it would help other badasses just like you find this show. And that is the most amazing thing I could ever ask for. So thank you in advance for leaving that five-star review. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye guys.